Just a young, dumb kid full of hay. Born and raised in an open carry stay. What goes around comes around. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week is probably a special episode for the Anglophiles out there. Our guest is Jim Bob. Now Jim Bob, back in the 80s and 90s, was the front man for Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine. I don't know how anyone could ever forget that band name. They're also just known as Carter or Carter USM. I don't know that it ever fully translated over to the States, but they were huge in the early 90s in the UK. They had a number one album in 92 with the Love album. They headlined Glastonbury. Now, to me, I always thought of their sound as sort of, well, it's it's kind of like using multimedia and a lot of sarcasm and punk attitude to comment sarcastically on the way of the world. They remind me a little bit of like Zig Zig Sputnik and Weird Al in a weird kind of way. So anyway, the band eventually broke up. It was Jim Bob and Fruit Bat, also known as Les, but Fruit Bat, they broke up amicably, and Jim has been solo ever since. And he's putting out his latest album this weekend called Thanks For Reaching Out. And it's, again, the thing that I keep kind of coming back to with this is that if Carter were a couple of just like snotty, sarcastic, attitude-filled punks, Jim Bob is making similar statements and commentary on culture, especially British culture, but just the culture we all live in, but from a more wise and mature perspective. Now, I will admit right here, I was a little bit out of my depth because I've always known of Carter and I lived in the UK in the early 90s, so I remember them being really big. I didn't know a ton about them, but I've always, always been super curious. And I thought, well, I can approach this two ways. I can either go in pretending I know everything and acting like I've been this, you know, diehard fan that is an expert, or I can go in and try and understand better, which is what I've always wanted to do. And so I took that approach. I hope that's okay. Maybe I'm asking things that everyone else out there knows. Maybe we're covering ground that all the diehard Carter fans already know. I have no idea, but it was new to me. And I've been curious and fascinated about Jim Bob and Carter for 30 years now. So it was the conversation I wanted to have. I highly, highly recommend, if you have any sense of humor at all, to go check out that band and especially Jim Bob's solo material. This song right here is on the new album. It's called Hashtag Goes Around Comes Around. That's a theme that we get into in here. Anyway, I think you'll like it. He called me from his home in London. So first and foremost, this I, I don't think in you know, the 
almost 600 interviews I've done. I don't think I've ever started one quite this way, but I'm going to admit to this right here. I don't know that much about you. I moved to England. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. I moved okay. to England in 1991, right after I graduated from high school. We live in Cambridge. And that's kind of at the height of, you know, Carter's, uh, you know, popularity or whatever. And of course, the name is draw is kind of provocative and like, ooh, we don't have, you know, name <laughs> bands like that in the states. You know, where did these guys get off? And you got the hair with the <laughs> with the bangs down the front of your face and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, I've I've listened to Carter and Jim Bob music over the years, and I went I binged as much as I could to get ready to talk to you. But the reason I wanted to do this is because I've just had a massive curiosity about you as an artist and as a writer and, uh, and for 30 something years now. And so yeah. if I, I say that, because if I ask you something that you think is obvious, I, may, I forgive me. It comes from a really natural, uh, honest place of just thinking, who in the world is this Jim Bob? I have wanted to know for 30 something years. I am so curious about you. So anyway, thanks for agreeing to do this. It's a pleasure. Okay. First and foremost, this new album, thanks for reaching out. I it feels to me like whatever Weird Al is to parody songs, Jim Bob sort of is to commenting on current culture. You guys have this similar kind of I hope I mean that as a compliment. I hope that's a yeah, compliment. I, that's okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, Just it's, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna I was gonna say it's nice to have a different I've never never had it before. I've never had the weird out. Oh really? So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean for it to be good. I just you know, that's his thing is to take songs that are currently in the zeitgeist or whatever and redo retool them in a jokey way. And I you're almost you're similar to that in the sense that it uh it's all fodder for Biting humor and cultural commentary. And when I think about the thanks for reaching out in the last few years, some of your best work has been on these last few albums. You must yeah. have, there is a constant daily barrage of news that is fodder for the grist for the mill for someone like you. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of it's not interesting, is it? Cause it's kind of, you know, so but see, that's the thing you could make it interesting. That's what, yeah. you know, we don't think some <laughs> things are interesting until weird. Mike makes them funny. And that, it, and yeah. that's you, it, your take is so unique. Yeah. I'd like to think so. It's cause I think it's sort of, you know, you, you can say a lot of obvious things, can't you about that's true. You know, the, if, if you're sort of uh, singing, you know, semi-political kind of music, I suppose, you can easily sound very po-faced and and kind of lecturing towards people, aren't you? you know, tell him as though you're telling the audience this is wrong, this is what you should be doing, that kind of thing. So I'd hate to be that sort of person. So it's kind of more like a, it's more like a sort of fly on the wall documentary yeah. of of I think of like you know I'm not saying one thing. Well, it's fairly so. If I do a song, so there's a song on the album about about Putin, and obviously ah. it's not obviously it's not a well, I'd like people to think it's obvious it's not a pro-Putin song. Right. But by the same token, it's not It's not a kind of, it's not quite that simple, do you know what I mean? Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's not It's not just, because I think there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, can you swear on this podcast? Please. 
Go okay. for it. I'm, I mean, I'm not a bit. I'm not a big swearer in in normal life, but uh, only on stage. But right. it's just I, I sort of noticed, especially last year and the last couple of years. You know, a lot of the political commentary consists of people saying "fuck." Fuck uh-huh. Boris Johnson, fuck <laughs> Donald Trump. Do you know what I mean? Or, and uh-huh. shouting it from a stage at various festivals right. to yeah. thirty thousand people, uh, you know, whoever. Fuck this. Fuck that. It's just very to me. It seems kind of it's so easy, uh-huh. isn't it? It's just sort of. <laughs> I think that's like really kind of almost lazy if you're uh-huh. an artist to just say that and leave it at that. Well, you did have twenty twenty WTF. I mean, that's and it's twenty five yeah. seconds long. So in yeah. a way, you have your own. Fuck this song, you know? It's funny because, Jim Bob, the thing that I think about in listening to your music is that you're not only sort of uh, you're not only making fun of the topic of the of the person or the issue or whatever that you're making. That's the topic of the song. You're almost commenting on our dealing with that person. Or there's two different. Does that make sense? There's two different commentaries going on: the ridiculousness of the person and the ridiculousness of our handling of the person. Almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, especially like just the ridiculousness of it all. Like, can you yeah. believe we're this dumb sometimes? I mean, it is. I mean, everything. Sometimes I sort of, everything's kind of, when you look at a lot of things, they are ridiculous. Like being in a band, for example, is if if you take one moment to think about it or take it seriously, <laughs> then you realize this is just stupid, isn't it? It's just sort of kind of, you know, it's difficult to take everything totally serious. But yeah, I, t- I kind of see what you mean. I think uh, one thing I do is I have a lot of. I'm on Twitter qu- quite a bit, mm. and uh, there's a lot of times when I think I'm going to say something, but then I don't because I realise it, it would be a massive mistake because it's like a it's like a sort of knee jerk reaction, isn't it? You think, oh, I'm just going to say this. Uh-huh. Whereas if I give myself some time to think about it and write a song, which you know that'll take a few months, and then record it and release it, and uh-huh. then if it's if it survives that. You know, it's, it will be a year, you know, almost a year since I wrote these songs. So if it survives a year, then it's probably worth, maybe it's worth saying. That's a good point. Whereas if okay. I just say, you know what else was kind of striking to me is when you go back and you listen to the Carter albums, it feels like a couple of punks. You know, it feels like a couple of kind of snotty, bratty punks just making fun of everything. You know, it's all dumb. You're all dumb. That kind of a thing. But now you still do a similar thing, but you're the wise person in the world or in the room. You're the person who's lived it all and is now kind of the gentle. Come here. Let me tell you about. Let me shed some information on you. You know, you put your arm around that person. You've gone from being the snotty, bratty guy. Your your artistry 30 years ago made you this kind of like bratty, snotty punk. And now the a similar kind of commenting on culture makes you the wise old sage that's got yeah. just a head full of experience. It's so interesting mm-hmm. to me. And I don't know if that's just the times. I don't know if you've you send you say your message or present your message in a different way 
but this thing that you've been you've dedicated your life to has uh, gone kind of full circle. Don't you think that happens to everybody with age? Like, do you, well, not uh, everybody, it might but, be. Yeah, but yeah, people, you do get a bit. You do get a bit more, you know, sensible or not uh, sensible, but kind of more considered about things. Uh huh. I mean, every now and again, there's there are people who post uh, old enemy or melody maker sort of magazine interviews with carter from uh-huh. from back in the 90s and, it, and and if i see them sometimes i'll have a look and i'm i'm nearly always s- slightly appalled at some of the things i'm saying <laughs> you know i'm yes. i'm often i'm often slagging off people that later became my friends I and, I, and I sort of hope they didn't see it see it <laughs> but, but also i just think well you know we're just just i mean me and les were just furious like all uh-huh. the time really uh-huh. i think we were just like just really angry. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, less, it, I don't think I, I don't think I could cope. I think now I'd probably have a some sort of cardiac arrest or something if I was <laughs> <laughs> like that all the time. I talked to uh, Henry Priestman recently from the band Yachts and the Christians, uh-huh. and uh, his he does kind of a similar thing. Only um, where it's his music now, it's beautiful music, but a lot of it is also sort of commentating. And he used the word rye. And I thought that that's a good word for what you're doing. What it's um, with the age and the experience and the maturity comes a sort of wryness or an, a, an aloofness of like, yep, this is, this is how life is. Get used to it. Ch- children. This we're not, it's not going to change. Um, so anyway, I, I can see that. I want to talk more about the new album because I really, really love... Well, let me ask you a question. So the first song, thanks for reaching out. But in this F-top world, girl, you're living proof. We're still in with a shout. Thanks for reaching out to me. Lots of great horns, and I yeah. miss horns. I wish we had horns in more music nowadays. Yeah, tell me about the writing of that. Well, that's, um, I think when when I did because I did when I when I write these records, I usually do some sort of fairly involved demos uh-huh. before I before I kind of play them to to the band or whatever. So uh, on this one, it did have kind of synth horns. I, I I knew I wanted sort of horns on on a couple of songs. Uh-huh. And then, and then uh, the guy in studio who I record with and who produces, co-produces stuff with me, John. His, uh, he knew, he knows quite a lot of people, and he know, he's good friends with Terry Edwards, who who plays the trumpet and sax on the record. And Terry's played with pretty much everybody. I think mm. everybody in the music business except for me. 
<laughs> so I, I've kind of, so it was great to have him. Now you just, can check that box. Yes, that's good. That's yeah. good. But he, he sort of came down and I, he said, what are you thinking? You know, what sort of, and I said, teardrop explode sort of. Yeah. And he went, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. And then he yeah. just went in and kind of 10 minutes later, it was done, you know, it was good. Cause that's he's so good. But so it's great to be able to, you know, to play something quite badly on a keyboard and, uh-huh. then, and then present it to somebody <laughs> who knows how to play the instrument properly. And they make so, it that much better. He did. And so let me, this is another one of these questions that um, I'm probably naive about. When you go out and tour, are you one of these guys where it's just you and a guitar? Or is uh, it you not, and a full band recreating all of this? It's, it's, a, it's a full band now. And it's for the past, so for the past three albums, I've been recorded with the same band. Uh-huh. And, and uh, around about whenever it was, 2018, I think we first did some gigs together. As a, before that, I'd been doing lots of gigs with just me and an acoustic guitar. Uh-huh. Most, most, mostly doing. I mean, it started out where I was doing solo stuff and maybe two Carter songs or something like that. Uh-huh. And then after a few years, I was doing just Carter songs, which went which went down really well. Uh-huh. But uh, once I once I stopped doing that and played with the band, I I now don't I don't want to go back. I don't want to touch an acoustic guitar. Really? I record I don't, on stage i don't i just the sort of it kind You're of uh, dis- it disgusts me why why that's so <laughs> I funny know. i don't know i mean i'm exaggerating and i probably will uh-huh. do it but but to me it's it's i don't know it's compared to the band like now it's like the bands the clash and me before the acoustic guitar is ed sheeran uh-huh. I'd, 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 i want to be the clash for a while oh it's genius i love it um okay you mentioned the demos now when i get this i don't normally quote directly from a press release but in this case i kind of want to because there's this story that i see popping up whenever i want to research your new album about how you sent the demos to your manager and he said i bet this is how tony defreeze felt when bowie sent them bowie sent him uh, ziggy stardust is that because now look everybody thinks their most latest work is their masterpiece and in your case i'm going to agree that it might very well be your masterpiece but is is your are you and your manager is everyone kind of like jim bob you really knocked it out of the park this time i mean i think so but uh this is your chance to just boast be honest about this you nailed this I'm not my biggest fan, to be honest with you, because mm. because I can hear all the things that are wrong with it, and I don't. For example, I don't like my voice, my singing voice. Oh, so what? Uh, what? Well, I don't. Well, I don't well, people don't like listen to their own voice, do they? That's so, true. I hate that. You're right. But, I hate listening to my I, own voice. I'd like to hear the album with somebody else singing, and then I can <laughs> really, really enjoy it. But I think, but but Mark, my manager, Mark, is very. He gets very enthusiastic about things, you know, more than more than me. But he's also incredibly critical. So what he'll do is he'll I'll send him demos and he'll say, this is great or whatever. But then but then after that, he'll follow it up with, uh, he'll give me marks out of 10 for each song. Oh. And kind of, so, and, and sort of, you know, whereas, <laughs> and, and off, often that's slightly soul destroying because it would be, uh-huh. be a bit like this, this album is great, but there are three, seven out of 10 songs. <laughs> whereas this one, he was a lot more kind of, 10 out of 10 and across the board sort of thing. Uh-huh. 
Uh huh. So so and I and I trust him because you know. Yeah. Yeah. What's the? I mean, oh, go ahead. I was going to say it doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but it means that that me me and him like it, and that's you know, <laughs> well, that's that, something. <laughs> when you go on when you tour now, and it's the full band. Again, maybe I should know this, and I don't. I mean, are you playing? What size venues do you play? And I'm guessing. I want to get more into this about your relationship to America and Carter's mm-hmm. more specifically, but I don't really know the the uh, span or the the largesse of your name and your. How big are you still in the UK? Do you draw um, nice crowds? It's yeah. I mean, they're not. You know, they're not as big as Carter crowds, mm-hmm. but. It kind of it sort of depends where I'm playing and how often I'm playing and I, okay. I think so so for example the tour I'm doing at, that's coming up they're sort of they they range from four to six hundred maybe okay but they're, but, they're, but they're kind of they're sold out so oh nice kind of, so maybe I could put it you know, maybe I could play somewhere bigger and, and London would be you know London might be a thousand or sometimes okay. more so I kind of. Because it's difficult, that you know, it's difficult here at the moment. I guess it is everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. It's harder to sell tickets than it than it's ever been. I think, huh. I think people are, are reluctant to go out. Still. That's interesting. I feel like our this summer here in the states, anyway, is the complete opposite effect, really? where everyone is touring and tickets are hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Oh yeah, that's that. Yeah, but it's, you know? it's that sort. Of, it's that lower level where where it's kind of where it's sort of. I don't know what's what where it's forty dollars oh, or something. Okay, I see what people, you mean. People seem more into this idea of, and and I think pr- promoters, well, not promoters, but yeah, pr- ticket companies, well, are very are very up for the moment of of uh, promoting um, uh, gigs as event as their events as though they're mm. holidays. Mm. You know, so they're saying. Good point. But but in a way, that's that's kind of nonsense, isn't it? They're just saying that because they want people to spend. To, they want to not feel guilty about charging you five hundred pound for to, for to be like half a mile away from somebody that you can't see to watch them on a screen. You know, it's, yeah. it's preposterous. But people are. So I think people are. So I think that people are going to suffer are the the smaller gigs because because if you're going to spend five hundred pounds on a ticket, then you're not going to go to as many gigs. As yeah, you did before. ten I'm of guessing. the smaller gigs. You're right. Yeah. That's true. Um, like the cure were here the other night and I was uh-huh. gonna go and was thick and couldn't make it. And then Depeche Mode is coming and Duran Duran is coming and all of the you know, a lot of the big names and those shows have been pent up. There's been pent up demand and want for these shows for four years now or three years now. Yeah. Thanks to and so they're you know, they're hundreds of dollars and they're selling out and people are flying from all over the place to see them somewhere and it's difficult. You know, yeah, and, and, but you're right. The smaller bands, maybe they get lost yeah. in the shuffle. And, and also, it's it's with those, you know, the people you've named. They're all, and I realise I'm one of them, but not as popular. It's it's old, you know. It's a lot of old men, isn't it? <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? So apart apart from like the the big pop acts, you know, apart from Beyonce and Taylor True. Swift and that sort of thing, and Ed Sheeran, even, yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of. Yeah, and, you know, there are a lot of old men from the eighties cleaning <laughs> up, you know, who probably don't need any more money. But why not charge yeah. lots of money? Did you hear that? That's no, weird. what happened? Oh, my, my my Siri activated. I don't even use it. That's <laughs> really, yeah, that's so funny. Say, 
I was I was talking I was interviewing a producer the other day and he was talking about the wrecking crew and Siri heard or Alexa heard him and started saying the wrecking crew were Hal Blaine. And you know, like when you know, in the middle of our interview, because Alexa heard him mention it. That's so uh, funny. So do you get played on the radio? Um no. No. <laughs> Okay. No, I'm frustratingly, frustratingly not. I sort of, it's something because I don't ever want, I don't want to be a bitter, I don't want to be one of those bitter people who complain that, you know, that as though I'm somehow entitled to be on the radio. But I do find it frustrating that every time I do something, it, you know, like Steve Lamack will play a song once. Ah, uh, really? And that kind of, and that will kind of be it. Maybe maybe a couple of other DJs might play something once sometimes, and it's sort of a it does kind. Of, I feel there's nowhere I like even even in Britain with the sort of nineties. They have like nineties uh, radio stations dedicated to nineties indie music, and they don't even play Carter. It just sort of I what? don't know why. But I think, but, but going back in those, you know, when we were when Carter were like number one in the album charts and headlining Glastonbury, we still weren't really played a lot on the radio. So there's always, I think we, I think, huh. you know, we say about, about the lyrics, I think that, I mean, I'm probably reading too much into it, but I think lyrics might be a, an issue, you know, because what you pointed out earlier that, yeah, that, that, but, that they're worried, that they're worried now that what if somebody gets upset because yeah. I said something that's, can't just be ignored or whatever but, but oh, i don't know it, it's frustrating because you because when i release an album it, it sort of it passes by you know we release a few singles and then an album comes out and it takes a long time yeah and then it doesn't get played it's not going to get ever played again it's not going to be like in the future they'll play it yeah. so that's kind of gone that chance is gone yeah and and yeah you know uh, so yeah, yeah so i don't want to be bitter about it but it is it's irritating. I can imagine. <laughs> I that I hadn't thought of it quite like that before. But yeah, you put your heart and soul into something, and it comes out. It's birthed, and it, the it's it's gonna be get some attention or a few eyes or ears for a little bit, and then that's it. It's gonna yeah. go away because it's because with with the radio, um, certainly like national national sort of radio or commercial radio, I don't. Th- it doesn't have. I don't think it has massive amounts to do with music. Well, it's not just, it's not as simple as just music. They don't, they don't pick uh-huh. songs that, that they think are good. They, they, you know, sometimes they are good, but it's just an accident or, or a lucky coincidence. <laughs> right. You know, they, they pick people for a certain reason. So there are, you know, there are people that get played, always get played on the radio that no matter what, no matter what the quality of their music is, you know, if they release a really awful record, it'll still get played on the record on the yeah. radio. And that sort of, and I, yeah, because I, I started to think. If I, I started to think about it recently, going on about it too much. So I said I'm no, not please. bitter, but now I'm. This, thinking, this but, is the interesting but, stuff. But I started to think of something like with the BBC. You know, why, why did the BBC play, say Ed Sheeran? I don't want to, not Ed Sheeran, but somebody those massive sure. people like that. Right. If they're if they're being played on Spotify, uh, a billion times, so people are playing, always playing those same records. I don't. Why are they on the radio? Why are they on on on, on subsidised radio? Because there are people are already listening to it. It's, it's, it's not true. serving any any purpose at all. It's kind of 
It's only well, sort of occurred to me really recently in the BBC. There should be a cutoff point when you've been played, when you've been played <laughs> a million a million times on Spotify, then you don't get played on the radio anymore on BBC. I, that's that's fair enough. I totally agree, and it, it it what you're talking about is sort of I have the same sort of feeling. Like, why do we need to keep hearing Hotel California and Stairway to Heaven yeah, or something like that? Yeah. You know, but then you realize that. It's, it's some people don't know any different they don't know any no. better you know well they, yeah they don't or they yeah and you kind of i think it's like treating people as idiots in a way isn't it because yeah it's like say you like these records so that's what we're gonna play yeah and you could listen to them as well yeah they'll take all they'll take all the money <laughs> yeah well it's it this is an issue that comes up a lot on here jim bob because i talk to mostly legacy artists from like the 70s 80s 90s and get to know what they're doing now and and i do that specifically because they're the ones who mean the most to me and secondly i think they have the most interesting stories to tell and most of them when they have new music like you that's as good as this my thinking goes to well i like this person 30 years ago i was really keyed in on what they were doing i'm more interested in what they're doing now then I would be poor Ed Sheeran. We're just going to keep saying that name. Nothing against yeah, Ed Sheeran, yeah. but I don't need to hear Shape of You for the billionth time. I've got it. And if I want it, it's right here on Spotify. In fact, yeah. I can wait five minutes. It'll get played somewhere, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I already have an emotional connection to a guy like Jim Bob. So why not feed that? You have an asset that's worth something. Why not build on that? I don't understand yeah. why they don't do that. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, I used to. Have, I used to have like a lot of conspiracy theories about uh-huh. <laughs> to do with uh, made-up ideas. You know, like <laughs> like that. Uh, I once made myself believe that all pe- all people in music business at a certain moment in time all shared uh, cocaine dealers, and they. <laughs> <laughs> in the 90s that might have been true back in the <laughs> so day they're, actually and they're all just kind of owing each other favors it's kind of like uh-huh. so they all, it's the same as going to oxford or cambridge university it's kind of pay payback time yeah but i'm, I'm gonna say that's not true yeah <laughs> well and you know you it, despite you saying that carter even didn't get played that much back in the day it almost seems like you would be more likely to hear something like sheriff fat man Oh, or yeah. an old Carter song yeah. that everyone already yeah. knows, then you would be yeah. the new Jim Bob single. Now, Sheriff Batman started out in business as a granny farmer. He was infamous for 15 minutes, and he appeared on Panorama. Then he somehow got himself on board the Starship Enterprise Allowance Scheme with a Prince of Wales award for pushing Valium and Amphetamine. Yeah, because if it, it, yeah, if they play car, it would be six music. If, if Carter gets played, people on social media will tell me 
Ah. Uh, and my reaction nowadays to not publicly but personally uh-huh. i just think so i don't care so right. what you know it's a big deal you know right. it's supposed to be like we're supposed to be really pleased uh-huh that you know once a month they played sheriff fat man right. it's like sort of <laughs> play the play the you know what i really want to say is play the fucking new stuff right right i get it <laughs> oh and it's it's weird for me because i like i said i i i've had a I mean, anything from England, especially like in the 80s, British alternative music, that's just my wheelhouse. That's my favorite kind of music. And so I am so much more interested in some what somebody like you is doing yeah. than I am what somebody up because of the emotional attachment to that yeah. period of my life. But, don't don't wait until we die. That's what I think. Yes. Because you know, that, that's, that's sort of like David Bowie. You know, David Bowie was not was not universally liked recently in his re- you know his more re- you know the 90s say as as it appeared when he died uh, when there was that outpouring of uh True. of sort of you know love for him yeah. like like my so my manager is the biggest Bowie fan in the world and he loved him from like throughout his entire career so yeah. everything you know tin machine the lot uh-huh. and kind of but uh so he he gets really annoyed when there'll, there'll be this kind of rediscovering of uh-huh. <laughs> you know and it, it sort of took him to die it had you know before really they could they could kind of pretend oh yeah we always we yeah, always loved we were always, him. We always on loved the him. bowie yeah. trade yeah we even loved all we, that stuff even though we slagged him off for 10 years right. Re- you know but yeah sort of it's it's yeah. a shame really isn't it yeah shouldn't wait, it they shouldn't wait until people are gone before you celebrate them i agree um Okay, I've got more questions about songs and things that I like on the new album, but I want let's go back to Carter for a minute. The 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 thing that I it strikes me about Carter is how very specifically and uniquely British you are, and sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't translate into the states. And I'm curious if there was I don't know. So, like I said, in 1991, I moved to England. In the summer of '92. I grew up Mormon. So I go on one of those Mormon missions for two years. Right. And, um, by the time I come home in 1994, any effort to really make Carter a thing in the States has sort of come and gone. And so to me, I've always thought of you as a specifically or uniquely British thing. What were the efforts at the time? Were you get it? Were you playing a lot of American shows? Were you getting played on American radio? We, we we definitely did. We did quite a few. I mean, I think we played, we played Salt Lake probably in probably in ninety four or ninety five or something. But really? but by that by that point we were kind of not we were on the way out. I think uh-huh. popularity wise. So you know it was a small club, not many people there. Okay, uh, how you remember this? I, I well, it's not something come I can forget. It was uh-huh. <laughs> why? It was Ooh, a, tell me, <laughs> everybody has a great Utah story or Salt Lake City it, story. It was me. just, it was just very much. What I, what I remember about it, so it was a fairly small crowd, and I'm going to say, the way I remember it is the majority of people there had no idea who we were. Wow. Just, were you with just, someone opening for somebody? No, no, it was just just, just us, and it like a club tour, and uh, they were they were. Um, but so so it was the I think they'd just gone for a night out, uh-huh. and the, what I remember is that the, the, the seeing the uh, seeing the audience that I thought they're going to hate us, uh-huh. but in actual fact they really loved us, and it was yeah. And then we also got uh, we got 
it's there was like heavy snow and we got sort of uh snowed in for two days so that was yeah so so that's my that's why i remember it because we were snowed in and also because we we played to an audience that i thought you know i mean there were people you know in stetsons (laughs) really (laughs) yeah and i thought this this is going to go badly but they loved it so wow you shouldn't you shouldn't judge people by by their headgear (laughs) <laughs> by their headgear i love it yeah but we, did, they, but we did do we did, we did do quite a few we did a few tours in the states uh-huh. and so, some fairly you know quite long ones some of you mm. know sort of a little long for us anyway for yeah like six weeks or whatever and uh we did do we did do pretty well in you know the sort of so around 90 i guess 91 92 we did we did two tours uh supporting emf yeah i saw emf i i read that somewhere and i saw emf that i think it was that summer of 91 right before i moved right and but populate itself was the opener okay because they they did uh populate itself did half and we did the other we did the other half okay of the tour because they were i think emf were number one in that yeah unbelievable was number unbelievable. one so yeah. it's, so it's like a really good it was a great tour for us that was our first our fa- first tour of the states was was um was that tour so it was okay. great you know we were in in nice hotels and playing to sure three or four thousand people sometimes more i think in yeah in los angeles it was it was the played at the uh universal studios venue whatever Ooh, the, that venue's nice. called now so that you know things like that was so that was great because the, the first time the very first time we went over was for press and we've um, been doing so so much press and so much gigging and in Europe that we didn't we didn't want to go basically we uh-huh. were just tired and so we did it uh, and we just signed a new record deal with um Chrysalis and we could kind of get whatever we want so they flew us on Concord Ooh. to just to do some interviews uh-huh. and to meet and to meet the American record company uh-huh. so that was so that was where we were from there uh-huh. moving on a few years later to Salt Lake City <laughs> 50, 50 people in cowboy hats 50 people in cowboy hats i love that oh that's great yeah that there was a i mean you opening for emf makes a lot of sense there was that and jesus jones and yeah, those kind of yeah. british bands who were on the cusp of this sort of yeah. pop but also almost i don't know if industrial is the right word but it's yeah. just this merging of drum machines industrial sounds pop songs sampling all of this is happening at once and you guys as is usually the case the uk is kind of leading the charge on this and some of those bands broke through at least for a hit or two like jesus jones and emf jesus jones did yeah yeah i mean that they both because they both had that one or jesus jones maybe two like really big hits yeah they had probably two maybe borderline three Jesus that got that got used got used mm-hmm. everywhere kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah so we we didn't have that we didn't we need to no. share a fat man needed to be on the <laughs> you know on the, on the super bowl or something that's, I mean, right. that's right <laughs> okay i did you did every whenever you when you came to america and you did like every morning radio interview or whatever to kind of help get the word out does everybody comment on the band name because as you know i that that's a ballsy move the unstoppable yeah. sex machine yeah. yeah oh yeah it is yeah i think so we, we did when when we one of the first times we were over there it was during the it would have been during the elections mm. so we had uh and uh american record label wasn't our idea but it's the kind of thing we would have done did t-shirts with a picture uh-huh. of jimmy carter on 
and it said <laughs> car to the unstoppable sex machine and i remember that being that upset people some uh, people didn't didn't like that at all yeah. Even, but really that's as you what you was going back to what you said earlier it's the kind of thing we did and what i do just sort of taking the piss out of things really uh-huh. so not yeah. so not not saying we weren't you know it's not that t-shirt it's just his name's carter uh-huh. his, that's our name it's funny it's not like saying you know don't vote for jimmy carter <laughs> right, or, right. but some people took it that way or or yeah. that we were attacking jimmy yeah there was a few sort of we did have misunderstood t-shirts a lot oh, we had a I mean, this is a bad. This it probably sounds worse than it is because it's, it's totally innocent. Which was we had our our Reading T-shirt when we played Reading on the back. It had a "Come on, baby, light my fag," which was right a cigarette, as, in, as, yes. in, as in a cigarette, and as in "Come yeah. on, baby, light my fire." The door. Uh huh. Uh huh. When we took those to America, it was a, very misunder- different. Misunderstood, yes. and we were just totally stupid to not realize that. That yes. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah, that's and that was in the era when you could people would still say that word. Now that's you know that word's become sort of like the N word. We don't say that anymore. Um, What I mean, tell me the best part about going number one, you know, and headlining. There's a moment there where Carter is as big as it gets. What's your favorite thing? Your favorite memory about those days? I think. uh, I mean, my favorite memory is just before that. You know when we when we were kind of uh, sort of heading towards that, and so uh-huh. there's a there's a bit before maybe a year before all that happens, when it's just it's just everything's just everything that happens is new and exciting. Uh-huh. I think w- when it gets to the point of headlining Glastonbury and getting a number one album, we're we're at that point where we're all where we're expecting it, uh-huh. and it's so it's kind of a, so it's not a disappointment at all, of course, but it's a uh, it's less exciting. Than, mm. than when you than when you enter the charts at number thirty for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I could see that. Whereas when it's sort of because when you go to number one, no matter how surprised you pretend to be, you kind of you know you're either going to be number one or number two. I mean, because the record label are telling you that, and they yeah. so you know it's cut, you know it's coming. Uh-huh. So so then you have to be you have to feign surprise. But <laughs> so 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 there was a bit, and and Glastonbury was, uh, I think Glastonbury it was the kind of because it was so many people, there were inevitably people there who decided they didn't like us because you get that backlash, don't you? Oh, I guess whenever you, anybody uh, gets big, that happens. Yeah. Right? So, so I, so I kind, of, I was sort of aware of that from the stage. And, uh-huh. But, but the point is about that and the number one thing is I repeat all the time to people is that you know that can't be taken away. That, uh-huh. that happened. So yeah. no matter about you know people try and rewrite history and say we were just a you know we were yeah. a serious band we were, you, know, you can't that did happen those things yeah. happen yes yeah you know, that's and also, true and also and also it impresses teenagers you know you, they Good can point. say i've never heard never heard of you and you can say <laughs> well we, we headline glastonbury no way <laughs> <laughs> was it the love album was that the one that hit number one yeah yeah that was yeah, yeah.
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, those were the days. And now you're here. The Carter website, carterusm.co.uk, is basically like a one-pager, and it looks like Fruit Bat wrote it. And he yeah. just said, we're never getting back together. If you like yeah. our kind of music, go listen to Jim Bob's new albums. They're great. Or I'm in this band, which I can't even pronounce, Abdu Japarov. That's, that's wrong, but it will do. <laughs> oh, tell me what it is. I think it's just Abdu Japarov. Abdu, okay, I got a little too fancy, probably. It, Abdu- it, it, you, you might be right. It might be because it's the name of a, it's a cyclist, as Uzbekistan oh. cyclist is his surname. So you're probably right. I don't know. No offense to the cyclist. I didn't know that. No. I'd, I'd never heard of him. <laughs> but uh, good. So he's got that project, and that's been going on forever. So you yeah. two, it sounds like no one hates each other, but no one wants to be Carter anymore. Yeah. Um, no, we definitely. Well, I mean, we're still really good friends. Uh, uh-huh. It is something because it comes up all the all the time because people are you know always asking or yeah. maybe less so, less so maybe now. Because if you say no, a lot of times, and every, and every time, every now and again, a, a promoter or a festival will ask ask us to play. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so, so sometimes we will sort of talk about it, just with no real, no real plans to do it. Um, I think if somebody, I mean, one one reason I and it, it ended when we because we got we reformed and then we did a few gigs and then when it ended, it ended so perfectly the second time. I think if we got back together, it, it couldn't end that perfectly. Ah, that makes I, sense. But I think, but I think if somebody offered us a million pounds, we'd do it tomorrow. You know, so that's what I figured, right? I mean, well, it's, it's not it's, that hard. The money's not the only; it's not the most important thing, but it sure it certainly it helps. Of course, of course. Um, by the way, before we get off, I want to get back into your solo stuff. But before we get off, I, I. Um, we have some Patreon supporters, and I always tell them who I'm interviewing, and if they want to submit questions, uh-huh. they can. So one of our listeners, Martin, I don't know. I, maybe I know Martin, or maybe I don't. I don't know. But he's obviously a super fan, and he came okay. with a couple of things. And I wanna, I'm going to read these to you. Uh, a World Without Dave and I Blame the Government are tremendous albums. What had changed by the time they came out, and how does Jim think of expa- of the expanding lineup of late period Carter now? Right. Um, well, I mean, of those two albums, I I don't like the second one. Ah, uh, really? I, I blame I blame the government, but partially because it was it was it was recorded during the time it was recorded when there were six six people in the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were working in a different way, trying to involve everybody and be kind of semi-diplomatic, mm-hmm. uh, and that doesn't didn't necessarily work so well, I don't think, for a recording. Um, and then it was it was never finished until we split the band up, so we had to finish mm-hmm. the recording when the band didn't exist. So it was kind of we didn't sort of put enough love into it, I'd say, mm-hmm. and I and I don't. Uh, personally, I don't rate the so- a lot of the songs. I mean, some of them are great. some of them are good. There's some great songs on there, but I think h- half of them, I think, uh, lyrically, I'm talking lyrically, really. I don't, yeah, I don't. I'm a bit embarrassed about by some of it. I'm, I'm just writing the writing the lyrics because I have to. Oh, okay. I've never, I never liked doing that. They, they're not, you know, 
I like I like to be if I if forced I like to be able to sit down and explain what a song means and ah. you know, and why it exists. And there's a lot of songs on there that I couldn't really tell you what they're about. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, I one thing I noticed I thought it was kind of interesting that you know you hit number one with the love album, and then post historic monsters to me sounds a little angry. Yeah, it, it sounds like the opposite. So, yeah. I mean, not that you, there was always bite to your songs, always in the sarcasm. But were you angrier? Were you, you know, disillusioned? Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think with Post Historic Monsters, we were definitely. We, uh, I mean, some people close to us accused us of being self-destructive. Okay. And that we that we'd finally we got somewhere. We got you know we got to number one, and then the next thing to do is to capitalize on that. Whereas what we did was, you know, get get angrier and and uh, louder, and you know, make the guitars louder, and uh, yeah. And so I mean, some of the songs around that period, whether it's B sides or on the album, are kind of personally attacking the record label and mm. stuff like you know things things that yeah. aren't necessarily the best thing to do. Maybe if you not. want a sort of, if you want a long career, so it definitely was. It was written in that time when we were disillusioned. I think with the whole, yeah, we were part of the machine, which we never uh, wanted to be part of that the music business. I was just thinking back. I don't know that there are a lot of uh, albums celebrating having just hit number one. There's more albums about people disillusioned with having yeah, hit big, yeah, and, and then and then years later, I think you know the majority of people who had a certain amount of success and then yeah. carry on and aren't aren't as successful but 30 years later they're asked would they change anything and i uh -huh. think you know most people it seems like to me that most people say i wish i'd enjoyed it more at the uh -huh. time or whatever yeah. <laughs> you know yeah that's would you say that too yeah yeah okay. yeah because we had some amazing opportunities and i personally you know traveled the world and often didn't leave yeah leave the leave the dressing room uh, I hear about that a lot. Yeah, it's true. Um, I remember Stuart Copeland made a documentary and that sounds really interesting, but it's almost all personal footage of hotel rooms or like yeah. out the window of a hotel room or, but you know, us practicing in the hotel room or whatever. It's, just, yeah. it's not that interesting when you get, you know, you should, if it's, you can get out and see the world, that's different. Yeah. That's awful. It's sort of connected, but, 
awful story I heard once about well, not a story, a theory about Kurt Cobain. Ah, how he how he when he became because he couldn't deal with his success because he'd come from this kind of small, uh-huh. fairly small place, and then he he had this massive uh, house, but he just stayed in one room mm-hmm. you know, because he didn't know how. Just wanted to go back to yeah, back to where he, where he was, kind of yeah. I've heard this happening. Think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think the people who survive often you'll find they're still living where they used to live with their parents. You know, that's, that's probably so, happened. Like, yeah, small, small towns, you know. Yeah, it happens. Okay, going back to Martin, has Jim ever been in a big flash car on a Saturday night, and was it all he might have hoped? Wow, that's that's related to a song I did called "A Big Flash Car on a Saturday." can't drive oh uh, really <laughs> not at all so, no i've been in a few i've been in the back of the back or the passenger seat of a few convertibles usually in the states but not yeah, yeah that's that's it and i've been in that's it. yeah i've been a, a trabant in berlin trabant <laughs> you know, the, what is that you know, the, the little east german cars they used to have oh. kind of make they're like made of cardboard or something that's the, that's, it's like the opposite of a big flash car right do you live in london i in this day and age unless someone lives in the heart of a big city i don't know how they don't drive uh where my wife drives oh there you go okay well that solves that um okay i had this is another question that i had some thoughts on too writing songs about personal issues requires a bit of self-examination and self-exposure and there's a big difference distance from blood sport for all to a song like victim is there a parallel between the ranges of writing observational and personal songs on the one hand and of writing fiction books and the biographical stuff on the other yeah um i think with song song wise i mean there's not a massive amount of difference i think it's just something that presents an idea it's like a like the muse the muse or whatever it presents uh-huh. an idea, you know a means to actually get started in writing a song so they're similar in that way but uh i think with in terms of books fiction was harder to write than memoir which i found easier whereas 
songwriting the personal stuff is maybe harder to write than the so the opposite uh, being the case maybe i could see that okay um you've got if i'm if i'm not mis- i mean there's battling the bottle I thought I heard it come up in a couple others. Was was drink or drugs an issue for you at any point? Uh, no, I mean drugs definitely not at all. Didn't really. Okay. Never really, never really been that interested in drugs. Probably used to drink too much when I was in in a, in a band, uh-huh. but not in. But it was never it was never a problem. But I've got a lot of a lot of people in my family have got who have had. Yeah, drink drinkers, I suppose. Yeah, like close close family, who were no longer no longer here. But um, so that maybe that's why it sort of creeps in. I guess yeah. maybe that's what stops stops me being like that as well. Alcoholism runs in my family too, and so I've been right. always been very careful about that because yeah. I'm probably prone to addiction. I don't want to go there. Um, I want to ask you about a, one of the new singles, like Sebastian's gone on a ride along. Tell me about the story of that. Sebastian's gone on a ride along. Sitting in the back with the siren on. Sweeping up trunks and belligerent cunts in the town square. Mopping up spill of the mentally Sebastian dressed in a black stab vest With a patch and press velcro to his chest Tasering dudes, no shirts, no shoes on the high street Breaking up fights on stacking headlights The marriage of Sebastian says will never last What I seem to remember, because because these songs happen quite quickly, but I think I was, uh, I think it was, I mean, it was inspired mostly by Boris Johnson, uh. because he was do- he was doing a lot of uh, when he was doing trying to sort of big up his ego and his his sort of PR thing. He he would dress up as dress up in a police uniform and go on a drugs raid or something with the police and have it filmed. So it was kind of it was that sort of idea of. So it was a kind of simple idea of, of somebody 
of uh, slum tourism, I which I didn't know about until I wrote that song. I didn't know there was such a thing as slum tourism, which is kind of people, mm. sort of people from affluent areas and that like going into rough areas and sort of experiencing the, the sort of bad side of things. So it's kind of that. that in a way. Okay. Yeah. But it's quite a silly song. It's not sort of, it's not a great deal of depth to it beyond that. Yeah. It's just but a posh man, posh man in a police car. Okay. Driving somewhere where and laughing at, uh-huh. laughing at the poor people, basically. You have some of your songs are hashtags. Pray yes. for Tony, thoughts and prayers. And I'm sure this is you taking the piss out of the whole hashtag anything, right? Is that yeah. what's the when do you decide to use that and why? Um, I think with those with those songs, it was because it was thoughts and prayers was. I think of that as a hashtag. It really and is. Pr- and- to whoever left the flowers and the star-shaped balloon and the card for somebody who was taken too soon, their name lost in the passing of traffic and time. There are few things as sad as a neglected shrine to the christian rock band drowned in the flood to the boy in the hot pants shut down in cold blood at the black friday sale to the sad millionaires to the japanese whale and the albanian bears thoughts and prayers Thoughts and prayers to the children who came here Gasping for air in a shipping container Yeah, And the same as Pray for Tony, I imagine that as They're just, I mean that's the only reason I think I think there's Uh one, this song on the new album called Goes Around, Comes Around Yes Uh Which is one one word Uh That's more more a kind of, I quite like the way it looks and sounds Uh But yeah, this (laughs) It's so true. There's so much to laugh about. That's the thing that I, um, there's so much to be enraged about. And then when I listen to your take on the world, I realize there's so much to sort of laugh about too. Just a ridiculous number, ridiculous of it all. Billionaire in space. now jeff bezos yeah. branson and all this kind of stuff yeah and this is your take on it 
Is yeah. that what I'm assuming that's what inspired uh, this? Just be, yeah. being able to write, pay their way up into space. Yeah, and, and it was kind of. I mean, that was the initial idea. I had the title first with that song, and I, you know, I sort of wanted to. I thought it was a good title, and then, um, but I saw it's really a song about. I mean, if you think of someone like Elon Musk, I mean, there's a video for it, an animated video. I think it's gonna. I don't know. May upset him if he ever gets to see it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was kind of thinking of. It seems like the loneliest thing in the world to be to, to imagine if you're the richest person on the planet up in a spaceship out out away from the planet it just it just and then but still being incredibly lonely uh-huh. that's, that's the way i thought i was trying to think about it. i was trying to almost feel sorry for for uh-huh. you know for a billionaire because <laughs> such a thing but, can happen yeah because it's got that line in it about about his uh daddy telling him mm-hmm. a, a lie that there's nothing on earth that money can't buy yeah because i think that's you know that's blatantly true isn't it yeah well for a million bucks you can get carter back together apparently that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, <you> know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um okay i read somewhere that this album was meant to be the third part of a trilogy i think that makes some sense both in kind of album art and like who do we hate today and um the one right pop before up, it pop, pop up, up jim bob yeah yeah was that intentional going back what three um, years ago now no the the first the first album pop-up jim bob was just an album i mean hence the title pop-up jim you know because i hadn't done anything for quite a long time I hadn't written any songs so it was me coming back and then just that sort of fell into me doing a, a second album and then when i wanted to do some more i uh it was actually chris tt who plays piano on all of my records that he he sort of he suggested it was a trilogy and then i thought yeah it kind of made sense so it would you know it does i mean i don't know what i'm going to do next as a result of calling it a trilogy because you can't you have to do something different or in a way don't you so well i, like I think the these idea, last but, albums have a similar theme just in yeah yeah, yeah. And, and the artwork's kind of similar uh-huh. as, well as the same artist doing sort of cartoon versions of me so yeah so that yeah i think they work well together they look good together if you put them next to each other physically sure of course i love the cover of who do we hate today because it's you with a, like it looks like a trans person and a black person and just yeah. all the marginalized you know yeah. groups within our society yeah. i mean it wasn't in, it wasn't intentional we didn't like it wasn't sort of we didn't do that because we thought we had to you know it was more like because it was based on a there was a a photo project that somebody did in the 70s where they uh-huh. just had a, a camera in the street and people would come could come by and press the self timer uh-huh. button and take photos so it's kind of supposed to be pictures of just all the kind of people you would see passing oh by. okay so that's, so that's why there's you know kind of everybody in there well, that makes sense, but then when you call it "Who Do We Hate Today," and you're reminded that yeah. most people hate one well, of yeah. those groups yeah. every day yeah. for some reason. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I should have said that, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, now I now it makes sense. Okay, um, we try to cover the business side of things very sensitively on here. Do you? Um, I mean, having been in a number one band thirty years ago. I assume between the books and the albums, the solo albums and 
whatever else you're able to make a comfortable living for yourself, just being a musician and not having to work or a writer and not having to worry about anything else. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't make a lot of money now, uh-huh. especially, but, uh, I mean that some of the, you know, the old, that basically the, the t-shirts, the Carter t-shirts still sell. Uh-huh. So that is, that's a steady form of income. The, uh, there are, there are some royalties from, I mean, most of it's Carter. And then there were, there were, there was a time when I did, there were two novels that I wrote, uh, at one point that were, that were, that were, um, translated into different languages about oh, wow. 10, 10 different languages. And so every time that happened, I got paid okay. for not doing it for not doing it. So that was like a good period, yeah. so, you know? And I mean, basically I, I own, I own my house. And that okay. stopped me. That stopped me having to get another. I think if I if I didn't own my house outright, if I had a mortgage, I think I'd have uh-huh. to do something else. Do you have kids? I've got yeah, but grown up. I've got a grand okay. granddaughter, granddaughter as well now. So. Oh my gosh, Grandpa yeah. Jim Bob, <laughs> that's, that's me, crazy. Yeah. The guy with the bang that comes all the way down yeah. is now Grandpa. That's wild. Good for you. <laughs> Does your wife work? Uh, no. No. Okay. No. Well, good. You're <laughs> able to just be the be Jim Bob, be a rock star, and that's it. That's, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't do anything now. I don't, I'm too old now to work, but no. but I wouldn't. I couldn't. I don't know what I could do. I mean, I okay. used to work, but you know, I yeah, used to work. Sure. I've worked. Let's work what you do. It's creative work. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. people do. They write books. I, you know, that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Looking back. You uh, did tell me your favorite story. We're coming up on an hour. You've got your other phone call come coming in a few minutes. Um, when you look back on it all, what's just your favorite memory? You mentioned Bowie earlier. I don't know if you ever met him. I don't know if you've got to meet a hero and you had a fun story about it. Mm-hmm. What is it? Um, I, I have met heroes all briefly, and okay. I've never. It's never been that great. Okay. You know, it's been sort of short-lived. You know, like Elvis Costello. I, met twice and i don't think he he didn't know i was i at the time so that was embarrassing uh i met dave bowie just to say hello and that was yeah. that um but there were i don't know i've maybe possibly but there were there were moments when people have said things whether they were true or not so say for instance so joe strummer from the clash once told me that carter this is right at the beginning beginning of the band were like the best best band in britain and i don't know if he'd said that to everybody right but but at the but I I've sort of taken that on board and yes things like that that's a good I can yeah. there you go talk about it. that needs to be a t-shirt if you may I yeah. I might make that t-shirt and I'll send you one Jim Bob because I would love that Joe's the man <laughs> you know yeah, oh yeah certainly yeah okay well good I I appreciate I hope I didn't come off as being just too naive and ignorant but no, like no, I said right. I have. I have been so curious what your story is for so long and I like everything I've ever heard from you, but I, um, it always felt like an an English thing that never quite made it over here. And so I just wanted to understand you better. And I'm so grateful for your time. I think you're great. I love this new album. I think you're great at what you do. Thank you very much. All right. There you have it. Jim Bob. I love that conversation. And I hope, I hope it did two things. Number one, I hope, that it satisfied all of our British listeners, which I know we have a ton of, and I hope that it turned on others who aren't as familiar with Carter or Jim Bob's work to something they want to check into. 
Again, I love this new album. Thanks for reaching out. And it's similar in keeping with that sort of snarky but wise commentary on life these days. It's worth listening to. Uh, I want to close it out with another Carter song. This is Let's Get Tattoos, because everyone seems to have a tattoo these days. Anyway, check it out. I hope you'll like it. Uh, now, next week, I'm not 100% sure what we're going with next week, actually, because we were going to run... Um, an episode with a returning guest, but I think that that episode is probably better suited as a promo mode, but it's a very special promo mode. So I know that not everyone checks out all of the bonus material, but I think you're going to want to check this one out because it's with a very, very special guest. Two of them, in fact. Uh, so next week, I'm pretty sure the next two weeks actually are going to be very important American indie bands. One is huge and one is small, but they're both excellent. And if you know, you know, all right. Huge thanks as always to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man for being back, for doing great work and for being my partner in all of this. Folks, you can like our Facebook page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. As I said, look out. There might be a promo mode later this week or next week that you will definitely want to check out, okay? Thanks, everybody. We love you. Dreams come true